Welcome everyone inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man Justin Quinn. Uh, we are fresh off, well, a day plus off of a, a victory over the Miami Heat. Um, little uneven win. It was uh, a big game that kind of uh, almost went south at the end, but uh, they managed to hang on and hold out. Recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, we got the Heat again tonight. Uh, four games to go left in the regular season. Uh, Justin, how you feeling, buddy? I'm still paying attention to the game, so that's pretty good, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they kind of count for something, right? we got to see if we're going to hold on against the, uh, the four or five seed here. Uh, thoughts? What, what do you th- how are you feeling about that? There's been some commentary that if we can't beat the Indiana Pacers at home or on the road, it doesn't much matter anyway. And there's some truth to that, but I don't really want to think about it because it's a really fucking depressing truth. Excuse my, <laughs> excuse my early potty mouth. So, so we're, as of now, we're still locked up with the Pacers, uh, but we do have the advantage uh, because of the win uh, last Friday. Give us a tiebreaker. So with with the four games to go, you know, uh, I, I don't know how important it is that they have home court. Uh, a lot of people, some people think it is uh, hugely important. I'm not so sure. I think it matters if they're playing well or not, although Indiana does play pretty well at home. So obviously that would certainly be, I'm, I'm thinking, in their favor to have the home court advantage. I don't think the Celtics care about it as much. So last game, the Heat game, Celtics up big again, and then the story we've heard a thousand times this season anyways, uh, they almost blew a huge 20-something point lead. Um, they ended up holding on 110-105. What is it with these guys? And, and you know, like, it, is it, now we were missing Jalen on Monday, but what, what is it with them, you know, not being able to close out these these games? They don't care. They just don't care. They, they. I'm not going to psychoanalyze the team. There's been lots of speculation that they, they, don't, they don't want to be on the same team with each other, or that they have their own agendas, a la Terry Rozier and Luke Morris. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily untrue, and I do think that's part of the problem. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, rehash too many of the same things, but the blame goes all around from the top of the organization all the way down to the bottom of the organization. And there's only a few people in my mind that have been absolved of it throughout the entire course of the season, or at least the majority of it. Uh, And honestly, at this point, I don't even want to think about whether or not this is a flip switching team or whether or not the regular season even matters. It's just got to the point where the, the regular season is starting to be made a mockery by the league's policies, by the way that players are approaching it. And something, you know, this isn't, you know, part of our regularly scheduled uh, bullet points, but something needs to change. I don't know exactly what that is, but if this continues to be the norm, then there's just too many games uh, or they need to find a way to incentivize not just a lack of tanking, but we're seeing an even stronger lack of disinterest in the, in the last third of the season past the all-star break. And, you know, I mean, I realize that I'm ranting as hard as I am because of the season that we've been through, but it's not just the Celtics. I mean, you look at the Lakers, you look at a lot of teams around the league that just don't care after a certain point. Like all the teams that are actually interesting or should be interesting just start sucking as a March. And I don't like it's just bad, man. I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, and it's it's it goes like you said, it goes beyond tanking because obviously the Celtics aren't tanking right here. Uh, it's more of a like don't really care where they end up at this point, right? In the playoffs, and and we just need everybody healthy. Um, I mean, this goes back to a few years back. I mean, the, the Spurs are probably the team that um, emboldened this in, in terms of uh, 
resting players when you're a good team, right? Um, they, they want everybody healthy going into the playoffs. They think they have, you know, and they're not so concerned with home court and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, whereas it used to be a problem with just teams tanking and it was, you know, those, those handful five, six teams at the bottom of the NBA that would do this. Um, you know, when it's, when it's the teams that you've got going into the playoffs, it, it really is kind of sour everything because now there's, instead of just, you know, those bottom feeders tanking, I mean, we've got like 20 teams that just don't give a fuck right now. Right. So it's like, what's the point? Why are we doing this? And I don't what I don't, the thing that gets me to is like, yes, obviously you want your, your players to be healthy going into the postseason. That's obviously the most important thing. Everybody's healthy, but don't you want them to be playing well? I mean, especially with the Celtics, you know, playing so uneven this year, we've seen them look great sometimes more often than that, though, we've seen them look maddening, like frustrating, and they've never really, they never, they, aside from like maybe one stretch of the year of like maybe like six or seven games in like January, February, I think, they've never really looked really good. And, and it's like, we've never, like over a, a, a extended period of time. And then to think that they're just all of a sudden going to hit this switch, I, I would think that going into these last games, instead of here sitting Kyrie here and Al here, and I mean, if people have legitimate injuries, fine, but. Like, shouldn't we be trying to get them, like, shortening the rotation a little bit and getting them, like, figuring out what, you know, who's going to be, like, I, I get them all on the same page going into the playoffs. I, I, I don't know. I This is – I'm a huge Brad Stevens guy, but I'm I'm a little disappointed with what I've seen from him this I'm year. I'm very disappointed with what I've seen with, from him this year. And I, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that he's incapable of being a good, a good coach. Right. Right. We have seen it. Yeah, same. So there's something else going on here, and I, I imagine it's going to come to light eventually. I'm hoping at the end of the season and not in a 30 for 30, <laughs> you know. Um, but there's something going on, and I don't know what it is. And th- there's no way that someone who has been as professional and even-keeled and maybe maybe that's the problem, even-keeledness. Um, maybe There's just something that doesn't – jibe with the way that he has been in past seasons in terms of his on-court product, not his demeanor per se. He's, he's been as even keeled as, as ever. Uh, and as I said, that might be the problem or at least part of it, but there's something, uh, I can't quite put my finger on it, but the lack of willingness, like I've toyed with this idea and I'm just going to talk about it now because I haven't written about it, but I'm going to soon. And that is the idea of the rope-a-dope Celtics. Like, Maybe, and this is probably, this is to the point, this is almost conspiracy theory absurd. It's not that absurd, but it's pretty damn close. Maybe this has just been an elaborate ruse. And maybe this team really can unleash the the shitstorm it gave to the Pacers earlier this season when they were up by like over 30. Or when they, they did almost the same thing to the Golden State Warriors, who actually were trying in that game too. Uh... I don't necessarily think that that is all of what is going on, even if it is actually happening, which I have to, you know, as an empiricist, kind of doubt. (laughs) But the thought has crossed my mind that maybe some of the obvious fixes and solutions uh, that could be done are not being done simply because of the fact that they want to open a can of whoop-ass at the end of the season. That would be great if that is the reasoning behind why everybody seems to be unconcerned with a couple of pockets of frustration here and there uh, that seem like they were more related to off-court incidents, uh, ADM looking at you, uh, 
So I don't know. It's really like I, this is where we're at. I'm grasping at literal straws here to try to figure out what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it's, it's certainly more plausible than some <laughs> than like watching this this talented team just. Yeah. Um, but that, so you're saying that Marcus Morris is missing these shots? No, that is not what I'm That's saying. What you're <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying doing something about Marcus Morris missing those shots, moving him to the second unit, which they finally did. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm edging off Brad a little bit compared to how he was a little bit earlier in the season, but I'm still like scratching my head very often with the fact that we aren't really seeing any shortening of the rotation now and. I don't know. Maybe we are with some of these these rests. I mean, Jalen is probably not playing tonight. Recording before the Miami game, uh, Jalen is probably not playing. Uh, Morris is probably not playing. But I mean, I don't think they're going to be shortening Jalen's role. And if they do, then we're just screwed based on how he's been playing compared to the rest of the team for the last three months. Yeah, no. I mean, he's he's probably been playing the most consistent of anybody on the team uh, over the past month plus, right? So, uh, yeah. So I I don't I don't see that either. But um, yeah, I, I mean. What would it, speaking of that, what what are what are you looking at playoff roster wise in terms of ch- changing the rotation? I mean, they've made some adjustments. Um, you know what? What do you think? What do you think our top eight looks like? I think that uh, Aaron is going to be at the at, in the starting lineup against some of the bigger lineups in, in the postseason. I think realistically, um, we are going to see Aaron Baines in the starting lineup against everybody except for maybe Milwaukee if we get that far. Uh, I, I see, you know, an Aaron uh, Al front court basically in the first round versus Indiana because of their big man lineup. I see that again against the 76ers if we end up playing them. Uh, there are some, you know, some surprise matchups that might pop up where we could actually go small, in which case I think it would make more sense to put uh, either Jalen or Marcus. Uh, you can put Marcus uh, Morris in the front in the starting lineup, but at the four, but I, I just, I am not crazy about that. I mean, if he, if he, if he earns it in the first round and we'll see, but at this point, I think I would really rather just see Jalen in the starting lineup for the playoffs, just because teams have been playing against him in the backcourt all season. That's kind of one of the things that I've been hinting at. Uh, and then, you know, you get into the situation of who is going to be the ball handler. If you only have Terry Rozier, uh, in the backcourt, uh, and you have Marcus Smart continuing in the front court. And in this case, I would like to see a mixture of Gordon and Brad Wanamaker playing with him. Uh, I, I would like to see Brad get some uh, Wanamaker get some serious run um, in, in at least the first round, just to see if he can be a functional backup ball handler next to Terry. So Terry can do his thing. Because I think Terry will be a lot better if he is not the primary distributor. And there are just some nights where, for whatever reason, still, you know, we are just seeing Gordon not really be himself. And I don't think it's a physical thing. I think it's a mental thing. And maybe maybe a switch will be flipped in the postseason. But just in case, I would like to see a lot of early run for Wanamaker next to Rosier. I, I'd be sh- – I mean, but really, they haven't been playing Wanamaker, right? So, I mean, you think he's going to – you think he's going to play in the playoff? Probably not. But, I mean, there's not a lot of other solutions to turn to. If Hayward isn't functioning. So that's what I mean when I say that they should be. 
they've definitely been force feeding him the ball, like ball handling duties on with the second unit. And yeah, it's, there's been mixed results there. He can certainly handle the ball, but whether the offense is flowing properly is another thing. I'm not, a, I will see. I wouldn't be opposed to putting Marcus back into the role that he played so well last year with the second unit. I, I, he doesn't deserve necessarily to lose his starting spot, but I, I'm not opposed to putting him and, and then having him come in with the second unit and have that jolt of, uh, you know, what he, the adrenaline like he gives when he's out there. Um, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Plus, he can be the ball handler with Hayward. Um, you know, they can share those duties. And then you're putting basically the lineup that we thought we were going to get this year in Kyrie, Jalen, Tatum, Horford, and Baines, you know, um, you know, as, as your starting lineup. So, um, I, I, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I, but I do think they're definitely going to go with the size, like you said, against, especially against Indiana and if we do get Philly. Um, in those first two rounds with, with Baines and Horford because um, Indiana's a, they're a scrappy team. Um, you know, with Oladipo going down, they don't really have one guy to focus on. It's kind of a – they play like we played when we were the underachievers, right? Um, you know, that scrappy, the, they keep coming, they play hard all the time, which is something that, you know, we can say this team doesn't exactly do. Guys, we've, we've been talking a little bit, uh, just in our group chats and stuff, Tatum being a little underwhelming this year. Um, he has been. More so recently, but... Yeah, you know, and, and certainly. And I mean, you know, it's not unheard of for anyone to have a sophomore slump. You know, he kind of came back to earth after it was electric at the end of the year last year. Um, and, you know, part of that is also there's a lot of balls. You know, there's only one ball to go around, and there's a lot of mouths to feed on this team. Um, yeah, you would think that the Celtics wouldn't want him to be the person that uh, is disparaged from that. But at the same time, um, you know, it's it, he hasn't been exactly what we thought, uh, at least as, thought, as good as we thought he would be this year. Um, we had Paul Pierce talking about helping him out. Um, what, what do you see? What, what are the issues that you see? And, and do you think Pierce would be helpful? I don't know. You know, there's been a lot of maligned uh, eyes pointed at Kobe Bryant. Uh, and there's plenty of good reasons to do that. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> uh, Jason Tatum is an adult. You know, he may be a very young adult. We, we, we loved last season to say, you know, how young he was. But the man can have a beer, you know, and he's a man. So let's treat him like a man. And, I'm a man. And blame him for the shitty-ass shot selection he's making in yeah. the, the, the defensive lapses that weren't happening earlier in the season and last season at all, really. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's definitely coasting, and he he as an individual should be blamed for that. Uh, he, he needs to step back a little further, for one thing, and he needs to play with a little bit more intensity, but – like the rest of this team, I'm not going to dump all of that on him. When you see the, the people, I won't say your elders because most of the team is roughly only a few years older than him. But, mm-hmm. but when you see that kind of activity, then you aren't necessarily going to be spending the kind of effort that you should be. So there's, there's a lot of blame to go around in terms of you know building a good foundation, building winning habits, and not just for the playoffs, but for careers. So you know this, this kind of attitude if, if it is intentional and not part of just a bunch of factors combining which i really think is the more likely factor i'm talking about the the general celtics issue overall uh then you know this is a really negative thing and it could really delay or even impact the overall ceiling of some of these players development and that is that is one of the things that really has me 
concerned. Uh, you know, we've had some conversations about how the disappointment, not to go back to that, of this season uh, was actually worse in a lot of ways than some of the, well, most of the wilderness era, because at least in, in those years, the, the players actually tried, even though everybody but like Paul and maybe Tuan kind of stunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, well, and here's where I think that Pierce can definitely be helpful. So we, now we don't even know if Jason Tatum is going to be here next year with the whole Anthony Davis thing and, and, and whatnot. Um, but let's just say, even if they did trade for, for Davis and, and somehow we were able to hold on to Tatum, which I think is ludicrous, but, um, you know, Pierce, Pierce was at his best when, when he figured out, you know, when he, when he first came into the league, he was athletic and, and he used his athleticism. And, and I think what, when Pierce really, you know, found his, um, way and, and really became a star was, was when he, when things started to slow down and he started to take his time doing things. And I think right now we're seeing like with the poor shot selection, uh, and a lot of Tatum just driving to the hoop. Um, you know, it's, it's, he doesn't necessarily take the time to, to make the, maybe the correct play rather than, than just doing using his athleticism to to do things that he thinks he should be able to do. I mean, how many times have we seen him get blocked going to the hoop this year? Where you know, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, after he boomed LeBron last year, you would think he's you know got um, he's got he's you know he can dunk on anybody at any time. But um, that one's the king game plan. Yeah, for I think I think you know we've seen him go to the hoop a lot. I've seen him get blocked a bunch of times. He's always looking for a call after um, uh, after going to the hoop and. Whether he's you know earned those star calls or not, it just you know um, I, I think to slow down the game a little bit, and and obviously that comes with playing more. But I think Pierce can definitely help him in that department because Pierce went you know he became a star when when he things started to slow down for him, and when he started to slow down and and take what's given to you rather than try to force whatever it is that you think you should be doing. Um, yeah, so. Um, you know, I, I, we'll now, we won't even, maybe we won't know for, we won't know till the summertime unless this is, you know, if we're going to need to see him figure this out or what, obviously there's a lot of factors there, but, um, going into this postseason, uh, we talked a little bit, you mentioned Brad Wanamaker, somebody you'd like to see. I know I've, I've harped for him earlier this year, but I think that ship has sailed and I don't think he's going to be playing much. (laughs) I don't think we've seen the the most. I'm afraid you're right, but yeah. But I, I do, I do agree with you. In fact, that I, I would have liked to have maybe seen him get a little more run, especially when the team was struggling, you know, at, at times with just the second unit was just a mess. Um, uh, any of the any of the guys? I mean, who, out of out of all the guys, obviously we know the rotation's going to um, shrink a little bit, or generally it does. Um, of the guys, the the Ojales, the Daniel Tice, Time Lord, who's going to? Who do you think is going to make the biggest impact in the postseason? Shemi, if we get to Milwaukee, I think that he is proven that he is if, if he's useful exactly if he's not <laughs> good for anything else he's been good at that consistently so throw, throw that freight train in front of him yeah but besides that i mean i don't really know if we're going to see any significant situation like i said i'd love to see wanamaker as not quite a break glass but kind of like a break glass if the emergency matchup situation mm-hmm. sucks and hayward is kind of just going through the motions option uh, but, you know, I recognize, yeah, you can't really expect uh, in the playoffs a $30 million player to uh, be at risk of losing his ball handling duties to a guy who's making veteran minimum. Uh, 
Um, or actually, no, league minimum, I think, actually, now that I think about it, not even veteran minimum. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so, you know, I mean, maybe Tice could have been more of a threat, but he has just not been playing the same way. I'm not sure if he has been playing hurt. Um, there's, there's a chance that Robert Williams could uh, get, you know, some breakout minutes and earn himself a deep rotation role, but I really don't think he's going to be be one of that shortened bench Barring something I don't even want to talk about, use use the uh, inference of knocking on wood and avoiding discussing it. Just think last season. Yeah, I, no, and I uh, I think my I'm going with Tice only because of the matchups that we have ahead of us. Like you said, the first two teams we're playing have some size, right? We're gonna have to throw a lot of fouls at, especially when we play uh, Philly. Um, I, I think Tice is going to play the most now. What you know, whether or not. He's extremely effective. I don't know, but I think he's going to be the most crucial in terms of all those guys because you know even when we get to if we do get to Milwaukee and and we're playing them in the uh, um, Eastern Conference Finals, you're going to want um, yeah, that's more bodies you have to throw in the way of a guy, big guy like that going to the hoop. So um, I, hopefully, Tice can recapture some of that magic he had last year before he got hurt, and um, you know, and maybe maybe. Maybe playing against the same teams in you know over a couple of weeks in these series is a way for him to you know find a find a role in each series. I don't know, but I, I think he's going to get the most run out of all those guys. Although you might be right with Shemi, and when it comes to that Eastern Conference Finals, if if we somehow uh, land there, which is uh, <laughs> a big uh, limbo right now. Big if. Big if. So now, now that Monroe, we, we found out Greg Monroe was uh, let go today by the Celtics. So that final roster spot, do you think they're opening it up now for Thomas Robinson? It could be. There were some rumbles that he was going to be the, the guy they were originally intending before they finally got to a place in negotiations that have been going on since the deadline with Monroe's agent to get him a shot. Uh, he hasn't really been very impactful in any of the games that he has been on the roster. I won't say played because I think he only logged a couple of minutes at all. I think he logged like two or three minutes and like scored like a bucket and a couple of rebounds or something like that. Very, very low mm-hmm. numbers. And that's just really – he's a bad fit for the Celtics system. Uh, he's a big body that can kind of get in the way of some other big men that we might end up being matched up against. So he's not necessarily out of the question, uh, but – I suspect that it's going to either be Robinson or just another person that hasn't really uh, materialized in terms of public chatter. Uh, there's, there's, you know, always Chinese league people, uh, European leagues uh, that could end up coming over once season's there. And, uh, and some of them haven't, particularly some of the better ones who are on playoff teams in their respective leagues uh, haven't quite come available yet. So they may be keeping it open for that. They may just be keeping it open uh, because they have no need to be spending money on, uh, I mean, it's not that much money, sure, uh, but it's money. <laughs> if they don't need it in a regular season game, then why spend it, really? For someone who isn't going to be making an impact, let's make that very, very clear, whoever this is. This is a person who is a very, very break glass in case of emergency type of a situation. I was just going to say, if this person is playing, we're in a big trouble anyway. Exactly. Uh, aside from coming in to foul somebody. But um, uh, maybe they'll throw up the bat signal for uh, Jared Sollinger when the uh, Chinese season ends. You never know.
season aside, after that, uh, obviously we're going to have a wild off season. Uh, there's, you know, maybe someone we get traded. I don't know. Who knows? Where all these trades that we're um, talking about all year with Davis and all this other nonsense. Um, but either way, um, whether the Celtics make a big deal or not, um, they got a bunch of picks this year. Um, some first rounders. Um, Justin, what? Uh, let's say the Davis thing doesn't materialize. Um, who could we be looking at in the draft? We could have anywhere from two to four picks in this draft. Uh, two are two are basically virtually guaranteed our own, uh, and I, I believe at this point we can say that the Sacramento pick is going to convey unless it gets to be the first pick, in which case we'll, we'll still get a pick. So we'll get a. We'll get at least two picks. There's a very, very – no, actually, at this point, I think it's mathematically impossible for the Clippers pick to not convey. So we're going to get three picks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we might get four, depending how the lottery shakes out and Memphis finishes its season. Uh, it's pretty unlikely, and we really would rather it doesn't because it will be more likely even more valuable next season. And potentially, if it doesn't convey until it becomes unprotected, it's top eight this year, top six next, and unprotected in 2021. Um, mm-hmm. that could be very, very valuable and part of the double draft where if they get rid of the one and done rule, basically you get two years worth of top talent going into the draft at the same time. Uh, so it could be one of the most valuable, uh, assets in the league if it doesn't convey, but if it does, we could have four picks and none of them would probably be much more than, you know, the mm-hmm. sixth, seventh, eighth pick in terms of lottery odds. It is conceivably possible that the Sacramento pick could, could get up into the, the six, seven, eight range. Um, the picks could be combined to get us even higher than that. I don't think like all of our picks in the best case scenario could get us much better than the fourth or fifth pick. But based on that, we've got some like very high lotto, late lotto, and later than late lotto guys to look at. Uh, and some of the guys that really stand out to me uh, are PJ Washington from Kentucky, uh, who's in, in college, more of a four, but his size means he might be playing kind of more of like a, a stretch three, four role in the NBA. Uh, he's been compared to Rudy Gay a lot. He, he's kind of a volume guy. He has a decent three-point shot, but it's still, you know, it's fairly new. He shot pretty poorly uh, in his first season at Kentucky. Uh, he didn't have a very big role there, though, so that's not really his fault. Um, another interesting guy is Nikhil, excuse me if I'm murdering his name, Alexander Walker from Virginia. Um, he's more of a two, though he could probably play a one in the NBA. He is a decent distributor this season. He wasn't so great in his first season, but maybe who is when they first get into higher level basketball in the first place. Um, those are some guys I think that I would like to see us take a look at. If uh, they fall within our own range, um, some of the better earlier picks, uh, like the the Clippers pick or the Sacramento pick, for likely to convey picks uh, to the guys, I think that both have a little bit of risk attached to them. Are Bull Bull of Oregon, uh, who's been floated a lot. A lot of people seem to think that Boston would be interested in him. He's got uh, some foot issues going on that have scared him away from being a lottery pick. Uh, he, he will probably still fall in the lottery, the very late lottery. Uh, I do think that there is reason to be concerned there, but so far, you know, again, knock on wood, uh, with, with Robert Williams, we've had some luck with that kind of a guy, with people being nervous. I mean, going back to Jared Sullinger, uh, Danny's always shown willingness to take a gamble with multiple picks on a guy 
who slips deep into the lottery based on health concerns if they're not too big. So I, I'm pretty pretty confident that if they wanted to take a guy like Bol Bol, uh, you know, he's, he can handle the ball, he can shoot from deep, not not super super high rate, but like almost three three per game. So a, a fairly good clip, um, and he hits them pretty well. And he hit them at a fifty percent rate, which is you know not bad. You, you know, it's going to take a tick once the, the line moves out. Um, he could score, uh, he could pass all right, not, not anything crazy, but he's, he's not one of those guys who, like, once he gets into into the paint, he's just basically like a deer in headlights or anything like that. His big concern, really, if we did take him besides the foot, is the fact that, like his father, he is a very slender build, so he, he's not going to be in any way useful um, for anything but finesse rebounds. You know, he gets decent rebounds, but think like... Uh, He's like a very wiry Pau Gasol. He's, he's more finesse, more soft hands than brute force, and he'll probably never be very strong. Um, besides that, my favorite pick so far in this draft, I legitimately think he might be the third best guy in the draft, is Rui Hachimura out of Gonzaga. He's super, super strong. Uh, he's, he's more of a four, though he can play. He's been playing the three in college. I don't think he'll be able to play the three. I think that given some time to continue working on his three-point shot, he could be an amazing player. Now, this all hinges on his three-point shot. So, you know, he's only making one per game. He's, he's hitting him at a big clip. He's hitting him at 417 this season. But he was horrendous his previous two seasons shooting from deep at Gonzaga. So there's a legitimate concern that that may not, you know, continue producing. Uh, so that is really the biggest hole in his game so far. Just that and making making smarter decisions once he actually has the ball. Um, apart from that, we might be able to move up further in the draft. Uh, I'm not going to go too, too deep into this, but one guy has really caught my attention, and that would be Darius Garland of Vanderbilt. Um, he, he is a great shooter. He can, he can hit from all over the court. Uh, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of what – Markel Fultz was supposed to be. I think people are kind of scared off because some of his his um, some of his shooting and some of his handles, uh, the way that he uses them to kind of just like cut through traffic and get off shots with double coverage in a very Fultzian sort of a way. I think it makes people nervous. Um, he's not that big and he's not that strong uh, and he's not that great of an athlete. So. You know, like that that combined with with the way that he makes you nervous, uh, it kind of brings up a specter of, is this guy really going to be able to keep doing this at the next level? Uh, I don't know if I would be comfortable, you know, putting all of our picks from this season to move up that far. But maybe, maybe if we could combine some of the guys we have on our roster that aren't going to be able to get some time to move up, maybe like Shemi, maybe like a sign-in trade for Terry Rozier, something like that. Uh, I could see us moving up uh, to a team like Arizona that has been coveting uh, Terry Rozier and really needs some more swings because they have done very, very poorly in the draft up up until this point uh, before they end up in a situation where they have a a discontented star uh, on a max contract that wants out. Uh, Devin Booker, I'm looking at you. And I don't know. Those are basically – 
a, a very rough look at some of the guys who've been catching my attention. There's plenty of other guys out there, I think, that we could be taking a look at and probably will be. Um, anybody that has caught your attention in the tournament so far? Well, uh, now that you mentioned Hachimura, I, I want him just to hear Tommy have to say his name every day. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be that would be my my vote. No, I mean I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I haven't been watching a lot of college basketball uh, this year. My PC Friars were um, mediocre at best this year, and they didn't make the tournament. So I, I kind of checked out come tournament time. I made a bracket, and I, I have you know I've been watching games, but not really. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't been following it as much, especially when when. I'm not really looking at anybody only because I, I, I find it a stretch that the Celtics are going to be making these picks. I, I have a feeling they're all going to be uh, going somewhere else, maybe New Orleans, so um, <laughs> or at least most of them. So, uh, but, but that's why we got our guy Justin here to keep you guys informed because if, if, if all that blows up and we do make these picks, now you have at least a, a good bearing of some of the guys the Celtics might be interested in. I, I do think ball ball is intriguing, though, and like you said, because um, – the way that Danny's willing, willing to roll the dice on guys that have injuries um, or slipped. Um, I mean, he's at that point in the draft, he'll certainly be the most talented guy there. So if, uh, you know, if he's around late lottery and the Celtics have a swipe at him, I'm, I'm all for it, right? Go for the home run instead of the singles. Um, but um, we got, we got to see Monday night's game uh, um, while we did the uh, little Dwayne Wade send off. They gave him a piece of the parquet, whatever. Uh, I heard mixed reviews about the the crowd there. Uh, the, you know, on TV, it kind of seemed like they were cheering for him. I mean, it, they gave him a little ovation when he first touched the ball or something like that. Um, and then I heard Mike Gorman today on the radio talking about it and saying that, oh, no, 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 it wasn't that loud. Like, it wasn't that loud, which makes me right, which makes me feel good because all I think of is him dislocating Rondo's arm in that series that we should have won. Um and it makes me sick to think that anyone would cheer for Dwayne Wade. Um, I mean, nice gesture by the Celtics giving him the parquet, whatever. But they did that behind closed doors. So it wasn't like they uh, they blew that up in the middle of center court or something. So, um, you know, whatever. Kudos to, to them for doing that. But, um, yeah, uh, he can kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. But um, an award that did get passed out that night, we saw Marcus Smart get the Red Auerbach Award. Uh, well-deserved. The guy's been on the team longer than anybody. And um, basically, like, the team's conscious, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know if he's the leader of the team, but he's certainly one of the leaders in the locker room in terms of, of you know, handling stuff, um, you know, and with with all for his lack of leadership, Kyrie, it, it, whether he's that kind of leader or not, uh, we know Smart is uh, certainly somebody that the people in the locker room can lean on. So kudos to him for taking that. Um, we said LeBron James out for the rest of the season to heal his groin. I, the funniest thing I saw about that was uh, somebody commented on Twitter. I didn't realize uh, groin was another word for heart. Uh, <laughs> this guy, the Lakers, the Lakers, uh, you know, um, but the, I, this season couldn't have gone much worse for them. I, I think that I don't think anybody over there thought they wouldn't at least squeak into the playoffs with that team. Um, obviously they tried to make some deals at the deadline that didn't pan out. And I think that that kind of, you know, didn't, you know, help anything anyways, but they did miss Lonzo ball for a good stretch. And I mean, what are you going to do? But, um, I, Hey, their misery is my, uh, my glory. So, uh, no problem there. It'll be interesting to see what happens over there in the off season though. They got a bunch of guys coming off the books and obviously they're going to be looking to add some people to, uh, 
make LeBron happy, but we'll we'll see how that pans out. Um, so we're three and one over the last week. We had that uh, dumpy loss to Brooklyn on Saturday. Um, we got four games left, another matchup with Miami, and then a big game against the Pacers on Friday, both of those games on the road. Then we've got Orlando and Washington. So, I mean, we're looking at two playoff teams here. It, well, borderline playoff team, at least anyways, with the, with the Heat at home tonight. Uh, the Pacers, obviously, that's a tough matchup on Friday. And then two gimmies, but who knows who's playing in those games. So we can't really say that. Plus, we can't call any game a gimme with this team. Um, but how do you see the uh, end of the stretch? Win, going? win, loss, win. Okay. Well, we need the if if we finish that, I I we're, we'll we'll have locked up that four seed because uh, we'll have another win over Indiana under our belt. So I, I'll take that. Um, I, it would be nice to see them um, go full bore at least these next two games, and then you know do whatever you play, play your Brad Wanamakers and your Rob Williams those last two games if you want. But it would be nice to win these next two, uh, especially the one on Friday, obviously. Um, we saw we saw them pummel the Heat for about a quarter and a half on Monday, uh, and then you know it'd be nice to see them control the game for its entirety tonight. So I'm going to be looking for that. Um, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com, guys. We got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store, and you can even get tickets to the next game under that heading. You can find the pod on Wishka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate us five stars. You know how this goes. If you don't, please do it. This helps us reach more people and helps us do our thing. Uh, if you don't like something and you, or if you just have a suggestion, uh, make sure you let us know. Just put a comment in any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPOB. As regular listeners know, we are always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage the way you want it, the way you like it. All right, guys, for me and Justin, see you. Check you later.